That's big time. Minus 15. Respect all, fear none. Oh, did he felt that one? Intensity is not a perfume. It was a no-doubter. Five, four, three, two, one. We are up in the bird's nest here at Oriole Park at Camden Yards. I'm Brendan Mortensen alongside Annie Claff. And Annie, you've been on this show twice now. <laughs> yeah. Your first show was after the draft. Your second show is now our trade deadline preview, which are probably our two biggest shows <laughs> of the year. We'll see once the Orioles start making a playoff push here. But it feels very reminiscent of... Grayson Rodriguez getting called back up to the majors and going, hey, Grayson, here's the Dodgers and here's the Rays. Go get them. Yeah, and especially at this point in time, the Orioles have a huge decision to make, um, a decision that they probably haven't been used to in recent trade deadline years. Yeah, yeah. this is a, a very different trade deadline than the trade deadlines of past under Michael Elias. And, I mean, we have a lot to talk about, so we'll just jump right into it. <laughs> this is definitively the first trade deadline in the Michael Elias era where you are looking at that date and saying the Orioles are definitely going to be buyers. Last year, the Orioles had a competitive team at the trade deadline. They were still right around the playoff push, but still playing right around 500 baseball. It wasn't you have the best record in the American League, go make something happen territory, which is where they are right now. This is what the rebuild has been building towards and now they're in a position to further bolster the roster and hopefully make a playoff push here. And it's really interesting to see what the Orioles end up doing, whether that's making a big move or not, because like you said, best record in the, in the American league, it's more of like, if you want to make that big move strike while the iron is hot, but right. at the same time, if you're deciding to play it a little bit safer, like the Orioles have done um, in terms of, Oh, like put all your faith and trust into this <clears throat> rebuilding system yeah. um, and the farm system, then maybe you're jumping ahead of the gun and making that big decision way too soon. Yeah. I think that's an important point to make here about this trade deadline too. I think the Orioles are still going to be careful because you kind of have to be, right? I mean, you've had this rebuild for, you know, however many years you want to call it, the full rebuild. You're not just going to blow it all up at one trade deadline. You're not going to make the biggest splash possible and deal away, you know, three of your top four prospects for one season of hopefully we can make a, a long playoff push here, maybe a World Series, but whatever it may be, whatever your thinking is, the Orioles aren't going to completely blow up the farm system for one season of a potential playoff run. This whole rebuild has been designed around sustained success. And while the Orioles might still make a splash, I don't think it's going to be one that is so large that it completely derails your next three, four years because you went chips all in on one season also if you make that incredibly huge move with a, a an incredible incredibly big player you have to make sure that they are able to join in on the chemistry with all the young players right. and not mess that up because like you said that is something that the orioles have been working on for so long especially under elias in developing that young team yeah we can just i mean we're talking about it in vague yeah. terms but it's otani we're talking about otani if the orioles were to make a ridiculously large splash. The biggest one at the deadline right now is Shohei Otani. First of all, I don't think he gets traded, period. 
the Angels aren't that far out of a wild card spot at this point. They still have a relatively competitive team. Yeah, maybe you trade Otani because you don't think you're going to resign him, whatever it may be. If there's one team that could trade for Otani, I'm not really looking at the Orioles. I'm mm-hmm. looking at teams like the Giants, the Dodgers, the Yankees, yeah. the teams that are like every single offseason lobbying to sign like a $300 million guy. It doesn't make sense if you're the, as fun as it would be to have Shohei Otani in Baltimore. <laughs> it does not make sense if you're the Orioles because you would probably need to trade a viable big league starter right now with somebody mm. with big league experience, like somebody like Brian Mountcastle or somebody like that. You would need to trade probably one of Colton Cowser or Jordan Westberg probably one of if not both of Joey Ortiz and Connor Nor- like you just go down the names. prospect list yeah and you would have to trade you yeah. know XYZ guy for a few months of Otani which is awesome but if you trade for Otani you're probably not resigning Otani after yeah. this season it's a very expensive rental it would be a very fun rental I don't think it's happening like you said, short term would probably be, would probably be what the Orioles do with Otani, and that alone with any kind of player would mess up the chemistry that the Orioles already have yeah. because they've all pretty much grown up together in the farm system and whatnot. So making that big decision would create a lot of issues, I think, in the long run. Yeah, potentially. I mean, it, there is something to be said for the front office going, you know, we're going all in, we're trying yeah. to win right now. Like that's certainly add some confidence to the locker room, I think. But you're right. You don't want to completely blow things up. Like, it's a young, fun team right now. You don't want to take, like, all of those young, fun guys and send them out the door because right now the formula is clearly working. Yeah. You have the best record in the American League. That doesn't mean that you can't continue to bolster the roster and make some additions here and there, but you're not going to blow it up for a rental player. Yeah. As good as Otani is. I agree. And I feel like being a young team is what the Orioles are known for. And like you said, why mess up something that's working currently? Yeah. And I think that's why when we're looking at some potential players that the Orioles could trade for here, you're probably not looking at somebody with a bunch of team control down the line. You're probably looking at some shorter term rentals in some positions of need. So, Let's start with our positions of need here. <laughs> we went into this show thinking, okay, we're each going to come up with three categories that the Orioles could be looking at. I think we probably came up with the same three categories because there aren't any glaring holes on mm-hmm. this team, but there are probably three specific places that the Orioles could improve right now, which is starting pitching because everybody can improve starting pitching. Middle relief, again, because everybody can improve. Huge demand for a lot of teams right right now. And then center field, solely because of injury at this point, because Cedric Mullins and Aaron Hicks are both on the injured list. I'll start with starting pitcher, though. The current rotation currently consists of Kyle Gibson, Tyler Wells, Dean Kramer, Kyle Bradish, Grayson Rodriguez. Kyle Bradish is like underratedly excellent Mm. at this point, has a really sneaky ERA just over three. Tyler Wells has an ERA of 365-ish. Everybody else in this rotation, despite showing really good flashes, has an ERA of 450 or worse. 
Yeah. Somewhere close to five. And before last night's game, only, the Orioles only had two starting pitchers, and that was Wells and Bradish, that have an ERA plus above 100. So that kind of yeah. just says, like, look, the Orioles, like a bunch of other teams, need a new starting pitcher. Yeah, Kyle Gibson has been solid. I think he's been pretty much as advertised for the Orioles so far. Grayson Rodriguez, still room for improvement, obviously, but has looked a lot better since his return from AAA Norfolk. Dean Kramer, been a little bit inconsistent, but has been solid. He's had some great starts. He's had some kind of blow-up starts here and there. I think the question with trading for a starting pitcher becomes who gets bumped, mm. because I think it would probably be down to Kyle Gibson or Dean Kramer. I think you give Grayson Rodriguez more time to figure things out. Maybe you throw Tyler Wells in that conversation as well because you could say, hey, we're trying to limit his innings a little bit like we did last year. Maybe we push him back to the bullpen. Maybe his last start, you know, maybe there was some fatigue there. You don't really know what happened in that last start there. Don't want to speculate, but I think it, there is a question of who gets bumped if you do trade for mm -hmm. a starting pitcher. And in terms of the question of who you bring in, I feel like it's a no-brainer that the Orioles could benefit from a veteran pitcher that a veteran starting pitcher that has postseason experience. Yeah, definitely. So the first guy that I had on my list in terms of a starting pitcher that I think the Orioles could go after was Lucas Giolito. Not a ton of playoff experience for Giolito, but 379 ERA after a down year last year. Mm. ERA has been right around 350 for about four of the last five years. Does have a little bit of playoff experience. He's not owed that much money. He's a free agent after this season. Very much falls under the category of a rental. But yeah. I think Giolito would come in and probably be your ace. I mean, if you were mm. looking at maybe a wild card game to start the playoffs, if Giolito is on this team, it's probably either Giolito or a healthy means yeah. starting that wild card game. I think he would probably be the Orioles probably most talented best pitcher at that point and he's not going to cost you that much the White Sox are really struggling and are mm -hmm. probably going to look to unload a bunch of players so I think Giolito is a name that's been tossed around a lot and I think he'd be a really good fit and he's been the most consistent pitcher for the White Sox this season and like you said for the improvements from last year um, not just his ERA but his walks went down from 61 to 42 this year right. um, but Again, for the free agency, do you think that bothers you at all with him going into it next season? I think that probably helps if you're the Orioles. The, the other guy that I had in mind also from the White Sox was Dylan Cease. Mm. That's been a name that's been tossed around a ton. Strikeout machine, ERA is just over four right now, was excellent last year, close to a Cy Young candidate. Well, he was a Cy Young candidate, close to the Cy Young winner. Sure. With Cease, he doesn't become a free agent until 2026. Yeah. And when you're talking about a guy who is pretty young with two and a half years of team control, you are looking at giving up a real haul of prospects to get Dylan Cease. And maybe you're looking at that trade and thinking that it might be worth it because, you know, maybe there's a, a top 100 prospect that you're willing to part with. Maybe there are some guys up closer to you know your top five six seven in your top 30 that you could say okay you know we have some depth there maybe we can trade away from that depth and and go get somebody like dylan cease who is not only a an option for this season as we're trying to make a playoff push but would be here for playoff pushes down the line i think cease makes sense there if you find the right trade 
But the only issue is with two and a half years of team control, it's going to be a hefty trade. Yeah. So like Cease with some team control, I'll bring in my my pick right now. Yeah. Um, definitely a little bit more complicated than Giolito because he has three years left in his contract, but an opt-out um, option. But I think that the Orioles really need a lefty starting pitcher in the rotation, especially with John Means being injured right now. Um, so I'm going with Eduardo Rodriguez from the Tigers. Yeah. Um, 295 ERA and just under two walks per nine innings. Um, and I really do think that lefty pitcher is a big need for the Orioles, especially in Camden Yards. Yeah, as, as you mentioned, in Camden Yards, yeah. uh, a left-handed pitcher would really be able to thrive with <clears throat> you know the left field wall being pushed back. As you mentioned, the 2.95 ERA this year, the big improvement from the last few seasons that we've seen. Last year, I think he had an ERA over four in Detroit. Before that, wasn't awesome in Boston. Would be a fun Baltimore reunion was an Orioles guy. They traded him out of the system early on in his career. So, yeah, I mean, Eduardo Rodriguez has been a consistently good pitcher since he cracked into the league in 2015 and would fill a need in this rotation right now. As you mentioned, the Orioles, with Cole Irvin being moved to the bullpen, don't have any left-handed starters at this point. And not that it's a necessity, but it would be nice to have one until John Means comes back. Like, it... Yeah, you don't necessarily need a left-handed starter, but it's better to have one than not. Yeah, and similar to the White Sox too, the Tigers aren't doing too well. So, and they're they're forty-six and fifty-five right now, so it could be an easy pickup. Yeah, and and probably for the Tigers too, if you're looking at Eduardo Rodriguez, a pitcher into his thirties at this point, probably doesn't line up with your yeah. timeline of success. I, I think they signed him with you know kind of an Orioles timeline in mind where, you know, their Gunnar Henderson and Adley Rutschman were in the form of Spencer Torkelson and Riley Green. Riley Green has been, you know, solid this season. Spencer Torkelson, not so much. I think the Tigers are probably thinking, okay, we'll sign Eduardo Rodriguez a little bit earlier in our rebuild process here. And by the time he hits his second or third year in his deal, then we're going to have, you know, guys like Torkelson, Riley Green, they're going to be ready to go. They're going to be carrying this team to a playoff push. That hasn't really happened at this point. And Eduardo Rodriguez doesn't really line up with their timetable of winning right now. Yeah, true. Um, can we talk about lefty pitcher Jordan Montgomery a little bit? Yeah, yeah. Jordan Montgomery, another really good option, I think, for the Orioles. He's kind of John Means. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, like, you look at his profile, he doesn't strike out a ton of guys. He doesn't really walk anybody. Induces weak contact. Like, <laughs> has a good changeup that he throws about 30% of the time. It's pretty much John Means. <laughs> like, you'd just be getting John Means at the deadline and then be getting John Means towards the end of the season whenever John Means is able to return and be healthy. But Jordan Montgomery has been excellent this season. He was excellent at last year's deadline when he got dealt for Harrison Bader. Uh, he would be another great get for the Orioles, another rental. Yeah, he's been the most consistent starter for the Cardinals right now. Um, in 16 of his last 20 starts, he only gave up three or fewer earned runs. Um, but there's been a debate a little bit with him going around that a concern for him would be his him in the postseason going up against like big power hitters. Yeah, I mean, Montgomery has a good amount of postseason experience at this point, was with the Yankees for a while, mm -hmm. so... It would be nice, too, to bring in somebody with some playoff experience because you don't have a lot of that on the Orioles right now. I mean, you have it in Kyle Gibson in the starting rotation. Outside of him, not so much. So I think Montgomery 
Giolito, Eduardo Rodriguez would all make a ton of sense. If I'm putting money on on two guys, I'm probably going either Giolito or Eduardo Rodriguez. Yeah. I think those are probably the two best bets if the Orioles are going after a starting pitcher. Yeah, I agree. And with Rodriguez, back to him, um, his current salary is only $8.3 million, so it wouldn't be a super expensive deal, too. Yeah, and, and you don't have to pay him all of that for the remainder of the season. Yeah. Uh, Blue Gold on YouTube commenting in all caps, Jordan Montgomery better. So, <laughs> yeah, no, we talked about Jordan Montgomery. Uh, let's move on to the middle relief. Mm. On the surface, the bullpen is not a huge need for the Orioles. I mean, according to fan graphs right now, the Orioles bullpen has the best cumulative war out of any bullpen unit in baseball. That is due in large part to the fact that you have Felix Bautista, who is the best closer yeah. in baseball, and you have Yenir Cano, who I know was not good last night, but was an all-star. So you had two all-star <laughs> relievers, which is kind of insane. And then outside of those two guys, you trade for Fujinami, who looked good yesterday. He can pump 100. He's got a good secondary pitch. He has some solid potential as a middle reliever. So you've already addressed it a little bit. But I think you could probably still add some more help. You yeah. have Danny Coulomb has been solid. Mike Bauman has been solid. Brian Baker's been a little up and down. Perez has been a little up and down. You could go for another like sixth, seventh, eighth inning guy. Yeah, it's kind of like the saying, like, the grass is greener, or is always greener on the other side. It's like, sure, you have two all-star closers, relievers, but at the same time, there's always room for improvement, and it would help the Orioles a lot to shorten the game a little bit by bringing in another relief pitcher. Yeah, definitely. And right now, I mean, even with Yenier Cano, I think, you know, it, there are some question marks that, like, Danny Coulomb is, you know, is good, and he's relatively consistent, but... You don't have anybody like Felix Bautista, and it's yeah. an interesting conversation because you won't get anybody <laughs> like Felix Bautista. Like I feel like Yenier Cano has been getting a good bit of slack from Orioles fans where, like, yeah, maybe there's some question marks here or there. He's given up some more hits recently. But it's like, yeah, he's a normal human being reliever, and meanwhile, you have Felix Bautista striking out 17 yeah. and a half batters per nine innings with an ERA below one. You're used to seeing that. We're used to the first half of Yenier Cano, which was also not normal. But relievers are going to be volatile. Mm. Like relievers, relievers are going to be a bit all over. I'm not concerned about Yenier Cano. It's more so just like, yeah, he's more human than Felix Bautista. Yeah, it's also hard to keep that unicorn status for long term. Exactly, um, yeah. You can't really have... I, I mean, I don't see F Felix Bautista being like that for many years to come. Uh do you think that? I mean, it's possible. I, it's entirely possible that Felix Batista is just that <laughs> dominant. Yeah, just that guy. But looking at the rest of the bullpen, like, yeah, you have to expect some volatility, and you haven't gotten anything from Dylan Tate or Michael Givens this yeah. year, which is why it makes sense to just pack the bullpen with as many reliable, you know, quote-unquote reliable relievers as you can to just give Brandon Hyde more and more options to work with at this point. One guy that I picked out as a as a middle middle relief uh, potential trade piece uh, is David Robertson. He's currently on a ten million dollar deal with the Mets, ERA just over two. The Mets are really underperforming, but mm. they are probably not going to deal their bigger pieces at this point. 
you know, they're not going to move like Alonzo and Lindor. Like they're going to keep the core pieces, but they do have a few rentals like David Robertson, like Marcana and left field. So I think Robertson is somebody who could probably be on the trade block. And if you're talking about postseason experience yeah. and how valuable that would be to add, Robertson has been to the playoffs in eight separate seasons. <laughs> he was with the Phillies last year, made a World Series run. He was with the Yankees for a while. David Robertson would bring a ton of experience to this bullpen and a ton of ex- of playoff experience to a team that really doesn't have much yeah. at all. And if you're for the side that's arguing like, hey, the Orioles need some really good veteran experience in postseason experience as well, then I think that he's a really great call. Um, some solid pitching. Um, the only thing is he said he's been, he's expressed some disinterest in being traded again. Yeah, um, he's been all over. But you're going to get that. And, I, and especially if you're getting traded to the Orioles, I feel like then that has to change for that interest once you know you're going to Baltimore. Yeah, and I think, you know, for Robertson, he just kind of falls under that category of <laughs> always being a good, reliable reliever. Yeah. And that's the one thing that every contending team needs at the deadline. True. So like, yeah, it makes sense that he keeps signing one-year deals. And then, you know, it's kind of unfortunate that he keeps signing with teams that end up <laughs> underperforming. Yeah. But then it's like, yeah, like go to a playoff contender. You know, he might not want to move again, but like if you're going to the best team in the American League right yeah. now, like, might be fine with it. Yeah. Um, so for my pick, I tossed around a few names, as you know, but I think the one that I've got to go with is Jordan Hicks, reliever from would be so the fun. Cardinals, uh, 26 years old, right-hand pitcher, uh, 367 ERA, 59 strikeouts to 24 walks this season. Um, is He can touch over 100 miles per hour on his sinker. I just yeah. think that he is a great call for the Orioles, a young um, experienced pitcher, which would be great too. Yeah. And again, the Cardinals aren't doing so well this season, so it's an, it, there's is possibility for this one. Yeah, Jordan Hicks would be insane. Um, as you mentioned, he has maybe him and Duran have the fastest sinkers in baseball. And looking at Jordan Hicks' Statcast page uh, is kind of hilarious. He is <laughs> in the 92nd percentile in average exit velocity. 91st in expected batting average, 98th in expected slugging, 94th in barrel percentage, 91st in K rate, 82nd in whiff rate, and in the 100th percentile in fastball velocity, even though he doesn't even throw a fastball, it's a sinker. Yeah. So adding him to a bullpen where you have Fuji who can throw 100, (laughs) Batista who can throw 100, and then add in Jordan Hicks who can throw a 100 plus mile an hour sinker, yeah. That's who's hitting that at that point. Yeah. You have three great options there. And I think yeah. that would strengthen the bullpen, shorten the game for the Orioles too. It'd be great. Yeah. And, and as you mentioned, Jordan Hicks, a younger experienced pitcher, he's just 26 years old right now, but he would still be a rental mm. because he, he was still going to hit free agency after this season. So Jordan Hicks would be really, really fun. I would also see Hicks as somebody that the Orioles could potentially resign yeah if he is traded to baltimore because i just have a good feeling with jordan hicks that like yeah if this pitching staff was able to the coaching staff for the pitching able to figure things out with felix bautista with yenier cano just imagine what they could do with somebody with the raw talent yeah of jordan hicks who just for some reason like isn't getting a ton of guys to chase and is still walking, you know, a decent amount of batters at this point. I think 
the Orioles coaching staff would be able to do just like beautiful things with Jordan Hicks. <laughs> there would also be the possibility though that the Cardinals re-sign him after the winter er, too. Yeah. Um, bring him back. He says he likes St. Louis. Uh, yeah. But I do think that that would be the best case scenario. If things work out with Hicks, if they sign him, um, then re-sign him again. Yeah, I think the question here with middle relief is just do the Orioles think they're good mm-hmm. at this point? Because you bring in Fujinami, he is Brandon Hyde has expressed that, yeah, they really trust the arm, they really trust the stuff. They think he is going to be a solid option moving forward. It'll be interesting to see if the Orioles believe they can need to continue to add yeah. bullpen arms. Because as of right now, you don't have a ton of bullpen spots available. Mm-hmm. It would still be good to add somebody else. I mean, some other names that have been tossed around, you know, Scott Barlow, Jason Foley, Daniel Bard is having a really nice season in Colorado. I think all those guys could be possibilities as well. It'll be interesting to see if the Orioles go to the trade deadline and say, yeah, we're good. Like we got Fujinami. We're going to, you know, look elsewhere to make a move here. Or if they say, yeah, we could probably use another bullpen arm. And I think Fujinami is an important pickup too recently because he hasn't really been given that much time to show his his talents and whatnot, especially going starting against Tampa Bay, or not starting pitcher, but starting his debut with the Orioles against Tampa Bay. Yeah. Uh, obviously a tough team to go on against. Right. Yeah, and there was a great uh, article from Rockabaco on MassInSports.com where basically, you know, the other bullpen arms were like talking to Fujinami and they're like, dude, like you don't, you don't have to show us anything. Like you're yeah. good. Like we know the stuff is good. Don't put so much pressure on yourself. That's basically what he said after, you know, a really good outing. He was like, yeah, like I was able to calm down a little bit. I was able to get the heart rate under control. Because I think if you're Fujinami, I mean, he said himself when the trade happened, he was a little bit nervous coming to Baltimore because, yeah, you go from Oakland to the best yeah. record in the American League with the Orioles. And, yeah, so it makes sense. It's your first year in the big leagues. You're trying to prove yourself. You get traded to the best team in the American League, and you come in in a pivotal series against the Rays. AL East is, like, kind of on the line, and that's mm-hmm. not really on the line, but, you know, you're trying to, to make ground here in the AL East yeah, it makes sense that he puts a ton of pressure on himself and the rest of the bullpen arms are like, no, you're you're good. You're fine. Just pitch. Yeah. Would you consider bringing any of the pitchers from the starting rotation down to a relief pitcher? I think that really just depends on what the Orioles end up doing at the deadline in terms of starting pitcher. Mm-hmm. I think right now, the starting pitchers have been a lot better in the month of July. I think their ERA is, is top 10 in baseball yeah. among starting pitchers right now. So I think you'd be comfortable still if you go past the trade deadline and you don't acquire a starting pitcher, especially with John Means coming back in a little while. So if that's the case, then probably not looking at bumping anybody to the bullpen at that point. I think the only reason that I would bump somebody to the bullpen right now is if you trade for you know a quality veteran starting pitcher and then you just have to make that decision mm. at that point, which is a good problem to have, but... As of right now, I think the Orioles are probably pretty comfortable with the starting rotation that they have. Gotcha. So after middle relief, the areas of need for the Orioles get a little bit (laughs) more cloudy because there, again, aren't really any glaring holes on this team that absolutely need to be addressed at the trade deadline. Starting pitcher and middle relief are just the ones that 
probably make the most sense. Mm -hmm. The other one at this point, I think, is outfield solely because of injury right now. When I started, you know, making notes for this show and trying to, to come up with some guys that I thought the Orioles could trade for, that was just when Cedric Mullins was on the injured list. Yeah. And the argument was kind of like, okay, you know, the Aaron Hicks thing has been fun. He's been on a bit of a downturn as of late. Maybe you can find an upgrade at the trade deadline somewhere. But now with Aaron Hicks on the injured yeah. list as well, your four outfielders that you're left with are Austin Hayes, Anthony Santander, who have been consistent starters for the entire year. And then Colton Kowser, who just got the promotion pretty mm -hmm. recently, and Ryan McKenna, who is now back up in the majors, is a solid fourth outfielder. Again, you know, Ryan McKenna tends to get some slack from fans. He's pretty much a, a league average hitter. His OPS plus is right at 99. OPS is over 700. Is a quality defender at all three outfield positions. He's a solid fourth outfielder to have. But with that group of four, I think there is some room mm -hmm. to upgrade if you wanted to make a splash somewhere. And outfield seems to be the place to do that probably center field if you can. Yeah, and there's definitely a timely need with the Hicks and Mullins injuries, but the question is how long are they actually going to be out and is this need going to last longer than maybe the need for a starting pitcher or a relief pitcher? Yeah, it's it's tough because the Cedric Mullins in injury is a little bit strange mm -hmm. where you know, you get reports that he's taking batting practice and that's like, well, you know, he He's fine, you know, hitting and things like that, but he's not doing as many of the athletic things. I believe there was a Cedric Mullins quote from, you know, a week or so ago where he said he was hoping to be back by the end, end of the season, so you don't really know how long he is going to be out. I think either way, though, you can always look to upgrade, and even if, you know, Cedric Mullins ends up coming back in a week or two weeks, if you traded for a center fielder at the deadline never hurts to have another quality bench piece, even if it becomes just a bench rotation guy that you just work into the lineup where you can. Again, good problem to have. You would rather be too crowded than not crowded enough. Yeah, I agree. Um, so who's your pick? Yeah, my pick in center field, if you're making a splash, this would be <laughs> a, a splash trade. It wouldn't be Otani. But, I mean, my personal pick here, if, you're, if you want to go for a big splash, would be Cody Bellinger. He's on a one-year deal, would be a free agent after this season. He's hitting close to 320. OPS is around 920. Former MVP. He's got playoff experience. He's got great pedigree. He is in the 89th percentile in outs above average in center field. So he would immediately be able to take over that spot. You wouldn't be bumping Colton Kowser out of the lineup necessarily. I know you want to get Colton Kowser reps. He's you know one of your top prospects. He's one of the best prospects in baseball. Kowser would be able to go back to a corner outfield rather than the plan right now of of playing you know a good bit of center field. I think Cody Bellinger would be able to give you stability at a very important position in center field. And even after Cedric Mullins comes back, yeah, you'd probably put Cedric Mullins back in center. But you could either make Cody Bellinger an elite defensive corner mm -hmm. outfielder. You could put him in right field with Anthony Santander at DH or first base or wherever you need to play him. Or you could put him at back at first base where he was in LA for a while. And he's also an elite defensive first baseman. You could have him kind of fill, you know, a Ryan O'Hearn 
uh, sort of mold there at first base. He could be your left-handed platoon option with Ryan Mountcastle. You could play him wherever you need to play him. And regardless of what defensive position he's playing, he would be a fixture in the middle of the lineup into October. So if you want to make a splash, I'm not sure that the Orioles are going to go that big with Cody Bellinger. But if you wanted to make a splash, I think Bellinger would be a really smart place to do it. And Bellinger is a player that lots of people have been talking about that it's almost expected that he will be traded. Right. And um, with the Cubs, too, I think that the Cubs could benefit from a lot of Orioles uh, potential prospects. Yeah, and I mean, whatnot. who couldn't yeah, at exactly. this point? Yeah, um, exactly. And they're, they've got the money, too. So it's an interesting pick or would be an interesting trade. Um, like you said, the former playoff experience um, and g- gives the Orioles an option for either first base or outfield. So I like the pick. Yeah, and James on YouTube saying fits the defensive versatility that the Orioles look for, which, you know, I completely agree. I mean, this is what the Orioles look for in players that they would be acquiring at this point and even players that they're calling up. It's been such a point of emphasis in the minor leagues. It's been a point of emphasis for players that are in the big leagues. I mean, just look at Gunnar Henderson. Gunnar Henderson might be the best player on this team right now outside of Felix Bautista. And he even he is playing multiple positions, bouncing mm-hmm. between shortstop and third base. So the Orioles clearly value that defensive versatility. And there are probably few players in baseball outside of your, you know, your traditional super utility guys like Chris Taylor, Kike Hernandez, whoever it may be. There are a few players in baseball right now that give you as much versatility as Bellinger does. Being able to play a great defensive center field, being able to to play a great defensive first base, I think he fits pretty much the exact mold that the Orioles would look for. Yeah, and in terms of my pick for if the Orioles do decide to take a uh, outfielder is a right fielder from the Colorado Rockies, 31 years old, uh, Randall Grichik. Yeah. Um, his batting average right now is 313, much better than last season's 259 with Toronto. Uh, he's He's got three different big leagues team experience and AL experience being with Toronto before Colorado. I think this is a really good option for the Orioles. Um, he becomes a free agent next season, though. Not sure what your thoughts are on that. Yeah, I mean, it's funny with Grichik because he dominated the Orioles. He's one of those weird players like Glaber Torres <laughs> that just like randomly destroys the Orioles. If you remember back to, I believe it was 2020 when Randall Grichik was with the Blue Jays, he just dominated the Orioles. <laughs> I mean, he had an OPS of like 1,700 against yeah. Baltimore. It was ridiculous. So it would be nice to have Randall Grichik uh, playing for the Orioles and not playing against the Orioles. But <laughs> for Grichik, just a, a really solid outfielder. I think he would make a lot of sense. And he would be more of a temporary filler mm. than Cody Bellinger would. I think once Cedric Mullins is healthy, even once... Aaron Hicks is healthy. I think Randall Grichik, you would probably be able to go, okay, here's more of a bench roll for Randall Grichik. We'll platoon you a little bit, you know, whatever it may be. But with Cody Bellinger, if you're trading for Bellinger, that's a starter. That is a mm. consistent need to get him in the lineup every day. Randall Grichik would be more of a, you know, we'll platoon him maybe with Ryan O'Hearn in a corner outfield spot or we'll work him in where we can. And if the Orioles are just kind of looking for depth at this point rather than looking for 
you know, somebody that they can fill into the lineup every day, I think Grichik makes a lot of sense. Yeah, I want to talk a little bit about Jordan Walker from the Cardinals, uh, yeah. right fielder. I think that in a great world, if the if St. Louis would end up giving him up, I think this would be a great fit for the Orioles. Um, only 21 yeah. years old, so he fits in with the Orioles' young squad. Um, he did only he is only hitting 277 right now, but yeah. he's highly valued by the by the Cardinals. Um, it would be hard for them to sell him, but I think that there's a good choice too. Yeah, maybe. I I think with Walker. You know, he was a top five prospect in baseball heading into the season. Those guys don't usually get dealt. But if you're the Cardinals, I mean, maybe you get a big enough return for him. My hesitation there is just that maybe if the Cardinals were making a playoff push right now, then they would look to trade. Maybe they would consider trading Jordan Walker if they got, you know, a huge piece in return for him. Mm. The only thing with Walker right now, though, is that the Cardinals are underperforming so heavily that keeping Walker as your top prospect almost lines up a little bit more with your timeline now that you're not winning, which is a little bit counterintuitive, yeah. but Walker being one of the top prospects in baseball is probably going to really hit his stride in you know two years, whatever it may be, which unfortunately for the Cardinals probably lines up with their timeline of winning a little bit more but maybe the Cardinals just want to completely blow it up. Who knows? Uh, I think certainly worth exploring all options with a team where just kind of nothing has gone the way that they expected this year. Yeah, definitely. And I think overall with this deadline, I'm probably looking at starting pitcher and middle relief as the two most likely places that the Orioles will go. Yeah. In terms of a trade, I don't think they're going to trade for a position player. I would be surprised. Uh, I think they could go for some more center field depth, but I think right now it's telling of how much depth is in the organization that you have Cedric Mullins go down with injury, Aaron Hicks go down with injury, and oh yeah, we'll just put in the 14th best prospect in baseball in Colton Kowser and call up a you know a league average hitter and a, a good defender with great speed in Ryan McKenna. I think that just speaks to the depth of the organization that two guys at the same position go down and you're still kind of fine. Yeah. And regardless, the Orioles are pretty solid right now. Like obviously top yeah. of the AL East, but um, it's a common belief that the Orioles getting a starting pitcher in the, into that rotation, a strong one that becomes an ace too, um, is definitely a big need. Yeah, so I, I think starting pitcher and middle relief are the two places that we will be looking at for the Orioles to attack at the trade deadline. But I think that'll just about do it for today's edition of the Bird's Nest. This has been the trade deadline preview. We will be back at the trade deadline, breaking down the moves that the Orioles made. Big thanks to Amy Jennings behind the scenes. For Annie Claff, I am Brendan Mortensen. We'll catch you next time.